All right, we've got a new microphone setting. Is people ready? I am ready. Ready. I think so. All right. of Geek Fanthology. I am your host, Neil Cordry, and I am joined this week by... The one true Ben. And... Mike. And here comes a new challenger. Becca. Hello, Becca. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You've signed away your soul. Thank you, by the way. Well, at least what's left of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, She's going to fit in quite well, I think. <laughs> uh, yes, probably. So, um... By the way, if people think the audio sounds a little bit weird, I've got a new setting on the microphone I'm trying out. I don't know how it's going to come out in post-production because I can't really listen to this while I'm recording. Uh, so maybe the audio sucks and we'll never do this again. I will find out. But if it does, if, but if it's great, hooray! Um, so sorry in advance if, if it sucks. I don't know. If not, we're awesome. Yes! Ha-ha! <laughs> um, today, we are going to talk about crowdfunding and... I had it in my head that we were going to talk about crowdfunding failures, but apparently I was the only person who had that idea in their head. So we're going to talk about crowdfunding successes that we have backed and things about that along those lines. And if those of us who have not crowdfunded anything can quip as necessary. Um, It'll do. <laughs> I'm looking at you two. I have crowdfunded something. One thing. Yeah, so... And I have I've reaped the benefit of crowdfunding. And actually, I have actually, uh, Patreon counts, I have uh, funded several things. It's a form of crowdfunding. This is actually very true. Um, first of all, uh, we have, I think, a tiny bit of geek news. So geeks did a thing. Um, <laughs> some executive somewhere thought that it would be a good idea to say we should maybe think about rebooting uh, The Princess Bride, and Everybody lost their collective minds today. That's because it's really hard to replace Andre. Uh, well, yeah. Like, that entire cast was just about perfect for it. Like, Carrie Elwes, I think, said it best in his tweet, which is, there's a shortage of, per of perfect, perfect movies in this, in this world. It would be a shame to ruin this one. Right. <laughs> and yes, he may be a, the tiniest bit uh, biased, but... Uh, and there is always the thing that you always say about, you know, the uh, a crappy interpretation or reboot or whatever or whatever the case may be doesn't take away from the original because it's yes. a different thing. You cannot actually ruin... No one can actually ruin your childhood. Yes, that being said, however, you end up with the people that now refuse to look at the original version because there's this new shiny version out. Ah, crap, I set up two back up. Or get disinterested because they saw the new version and the new version sucked. Correct. That's right. my main concern when these things happen is that there's potentially all sorts of people that will eventually look into something that is in fact awesome, but then they see a current version or reimagining or reboot or whatever, right. and then they go, oh, well, that was kind of meh, or that outright sucked, so they don't yeah. bother to look at the original, so, which yeah. is actually really good. You have to overcome the shitty version. But the yeah. point Hold stands, on. if you make a good movie or write a good book and then someone else does something that's shitty, it doesn't mean the original project isn't good anymore. Right. It's not magic. It doesn't work that way. The other fear is what if the remake is good? If it's good, then awesome. Well, however, if it's good, then the original version kind of pales in comparison, and that's really scary for a lot of people. 
spoiled. Well, it shouldn't be. Yeah, because I, I good art is good, and there's nothing, and there should, there there is not enough good art in the world. Well, yes, but good art is the question is is it good art or was it the only art we had? Well, at the time it was good. Correct. Know. So yeah, I mean we we improve things. I mean, but then again, you have George, you have George Lucas who constantly improves Star Wars. <laughs> It's okay. They're going to do CGI ROUSs, and it will never be the same. It's different, though, because we're not talking about somebody being neurotic about their own work. We're talking about a completely different group of people doing True. a completely different thing that happens to be based on the original. Yeah. On an existing And the original does, have, does then have to overcome the, you know, just like the Dresden Files. Mm-hmm. Series, total crap. I mean, it was, well, okay, it was well known it was okay. But by comparison to the Dresden Files, it was Iron Fist good. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, the, I know the Dark Crystal series makes the movie look real bad. That's mm, um, but the movie still stands up on its own. It it does. It just makes me sad. Yeah. <laughs> but by the now same I'm government. committed to I don't know. I just feel like there's different contexts for different things. Yeah. I mean, Fair I haven't a, watched the Dark Crystal re- uh, series, so good I example. Have, is, have no, uh, I have no, uh, frame, uh, no horses in the race, dude. I'm gonna change your life. Watch Dark Crystal. It is amazing. It is really good. Hands okay. down. You will you will commit to Gelflings. You'll be like, oh my god. And then all but two of them will be dead. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good example of that. Like, yeah, it was a dude in a rubber suit. But the original movie is still actually really like significant and interesting, despite yeah. it being so old. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, that would be the exact same language to be like, oh, this new Godzilla 2014 or Godzilla King of the Monsters, like, oh, it, it looks so good and it's so much better in these ways and blah. So that, and it's like, well, okay, but it's a completely different thing, even though it's still Godzilla. That's fair. Yeah. King of the Monsters was really good, by the way. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah. I saw, uh, there's really interesting, I saw some very interesting uh, behind the scenes. Uh, they did, if they, they did the, the 21st century version of Rubber Suits. They did mocap for the yeah. monsters, yeah. and it was really interesting because they had three people playing Ghidorah. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, that's fitting, right? I'm, yeah, I know, because... but it was yeah. They, they they stood together like like they were playing uh, the the whose line is it anyway? Three headed Broadway right. star game, yeah, yeah. but they all were moving independently. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. interesting. It was really exactly. interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, yeah. I mean, it's all a bunch of theoretical yeah. discussion because, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, obviously people want to um, take the slightest thing and yeah. use it as clickbait. And all that happened yeah, is a couple of people in Hollywood had a meeting and some suit was like, hey, some people I talked to want to remake the thing. And then a bunch of other people go, no, we really don't want to. And then the average person is like, no, please, God, no. It's, and that was it. It's also kind of in its cycle right now. Because right now they're remaking all the, the 90s movies. Remake Just like all the things. about 10 years ago, they were remaking all the 80s stuff. Because people yeah. that were growing up in yeah. the 80s had kids that were about yeah. 10. Now yeah, people the that grew up in the 90s have kids they're, they're just, about they're 10. Trying, so they're yeah. an easy sell. It's just a, you're right. It's a cycle where it's like, oh, hey, look. Bob, according to our demographics, people that were X years old and Y year are now Z years old, and they should be due for this. Yeah, uh, which is why we have all this the, nostalgia the, thing. The '90s Disney remake. So yeah, you're right. I mean, you had like affected. stupid remakes of like Red Dawn and Footloose and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's the '90s Ninja stuff. Turtles and Transformers. Yeah, yeah. And... exactly. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Most of them have been crap. Yes. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... At the very least compared to the original. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of those things where the original oh, was better than the remake. 
because the original was darker and grittier. And then they put different colored well, masks. What do you? You have to be really clear yeah. what you're talking about, Ben. Do you well, mean okay. it's darker and grittier because it was a black and white comic book where they eviscerated people and tore them apart? Or are you talking <laughs> about it was darker and grittier because it was darker and grittier the early '90s movie? It was actually more moody and stuff, as opposed to like, oh hey, we're all we, we don't like yeah. Turtles three. Yeah. Well, that was a Turtles three was video. fine. We don't talk about Turtles three. Turtles three was fine. You brought fine. it up. That doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> no one was talking about it until you mentioned it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, some of the new series for for TMNT though is actually really well done. Well, and and when you get back to, they're actually working to get closer to what. Eastman and Laird actually created. Well, the series and the movies are very different things. Well, the comics were originally a parody, too, which... Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a whole digress. So, and then... Uh, Welcome to the podcast we, where we digress. <laughs> yeah. That's only a minute. That's only a second. Conversation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but we don't have a whole lot of news anyway. So this is true. Um, and then, let's see, what else? Uh, there was the trailer for the new movie that Harley Quinn is in. Yep. Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. And the... Was it... um, Not Liberation. Emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Nice. So... I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm sure some of it will... Well, sure is a strong word. (laughs) Some of it may be good, but, like, the cynic in me is like, okay, well, that was, like, the one... She was like the shining jewel in that kind of turd pile of Suicide Squad. So they're trying to just cash in on this stuff, like, and just squeeze it out as while it's still popular in the zeitgeist. And it's just, it's all very transactional to me, and I don't really like, I don't get interested in it until it's actually about to happen or happening. My my problem with with Suicide Squad was it was poorly written. It was too dark. Yeah. Like literally. It was Doom Three. The too movie. dark. There was <laughs> yeah. not enough light in the movie. Yeah. You couldn't see what was going on. Was shot in a in a city at night during a power outage, and you couldn't see a good goddamn thing. <laughs> some yeah, some of the stuff was just like straight up like out of like video game exposition or something. Right. Like, you, Jill, the master of unlocking. <laughs> like no, I, I'm not even exaggerating here because the guy, whatever, Mr. Murka. Guy, I forget his name. Flag, flag. Yeah. Oh, his name's literally. His, flag. Le- his name is literally flag. They added a G and called it a day. It's fucking yes. Ridiculous. <laughs> flag was all like, "Hey, gentlemen, this is Katana. She steals the souls of her enemies." Like, I, I don't think he had a southern accent, but you get the idea. It was really stupid. No, oh, yeah. It's just like he was reciting something from an instruction manual. Is really yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, it's Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Yeah, <laughs> and we're going to kill him real quick. Yeah. Well, his name's Slipknot, so I feel like he earned his demise. <laughs> that was probably that was spelled in an edgy way, too, wasn't it? I, I'm, I'm sure it was. It was like two T's or something. Like two like it's really fucking stupid. Sure, why not? Yeah. Because poor literacy is cool. <laughs> She's going to get all those references of mine. Yeah, why do you think I sang the exposition song? True. But anyway, <laughs> so we can talk about how much of a disappointment Suicide Squad was for a very long time. So. Yes, we could. Yeah. Didn't, we, didn't we do that in an episode at one point? I like we did. three years ago? One of those Marvel episodes. I don't think we one devoted an entire episode to it. But. <laughs> no, I think it was just in there. <laughs> oh, speaking of comic movie stuff, this is another, the only other really significant piece of news I've seen lately, is that the talks officially fell through and Spidey is no longer part of the MCU. That, yeah, mm-hmm. that's... So that's a thing. 
that was pretty much doomed to fail when it first made the, made its uh, ways ways around the the, the yeah. news. I mean, cycle. part of me is part of me is uh, is disappointed, but the other part of me is just kind of like, well, hey, at least the thing happened. Yeah. At least there was an agreement in the first place, so we had the movies work out well. We had the movies work out the way they were supposed to work out, so we could have all that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know. I find it hilarious that as powerful as Disney is, and they have all these Marvel characters, Sony's like, this one's mine. Well, that's because <laughs> and Mar- it's just Marvel like, sold it to Disney back when Marvel was, you know, dying. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, but... They're going bankrupt. Okay, fair well, enough. Uh, this is before they started just, making movies. It's a really nice, like, middle finger to Disney. It's like, you can have anything in the world you want. Except, Except Spider-Man. Man. Well, it's, it's more, it's, it's not really... No, they got that now, because mm. Fox owned that. Mm. And the Fantastic Four. Although, Literally the only thing they don't have the rights to it anymore is, is I'm Spider-Man. I'm sure the success of Into the Spider-Verse is not affecting, you know, affecting Sony's going, we, we, we can do and this. And Venom, too. Right. Sony, I, I fear that, that Sony is, is due for a rude awakening when they make their next Spider-Man movie, though. Because we'll I, half of the reason I think that the... Uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man movies worked was because Marvel? well one he was really he was really good as Spider-Man but two they had he, they they were piggybacking off of the fact that he was part of the MCU which is a which is love it or hate it it is the most lucrative film franchise, franchise like ever yeah um, and the fact that they don't have to world build right just Congratulations! You now get to exist in this world. Well, I think it's better. They, yeah. I think it's better they keep it than accept a shitty deal, especially considering uh, how well those movies have done, like Venom and Spider Verse and stuff. Like, here's the thing: they have to have a solid thing that's just theirs. Yeah. They can. They don't have to rely on someone else to do. Spider Verse was fantastic. They have to be able to do their own thing, and it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I'm also just weary of everything being enveloped inside the Disney monster. So <laughs> that I have uh, you. you uh, sometimes when they yeah. just don't get something they want, I'm just happy out of principle. Yeah. There's you nothing know? wrong with that. I mean, sometimes some of the stuff works out where it's like, oh, cool, we'll get this movie or this thing that we always kind of wanted but we didn't have before. But I, I would rather just not get the thing yeah. once in a while than yeah. to have the entire the house of cinema mouse. industry uh, almost like, monopolized. Yeah. Oh, it's like the House the, of Mouse honestly probably needs an antitrust investigation. And that's the the fear for, like, Deadpool fans Yeah, is the Disney amalgamation of so... I mean, I'd like to think they're smart enough to leave it alone. What's going to happen to... My boy. <laughs> well, that's the thing is they used to see Disney would ha- Disney ha- would have companies that are owned by Disney, but they just put out things that have nothing to do with the Disney brand of culture, yeah. like uh, Miramax uh, and companies like that. They would just put out whatever, and no one really thought of it as Disney, even though technically on paper it is. No one associated that. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. But, I hope they are smart enough to continue doing that kind of thing, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Don't know if they can since he's so in like he's this is a Marvel character and Disney's very much we own all of them but Spider Man. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the next Spider Man movie they can make can actually go from where Far From Home left off. Because they don't own the rights for half of the rest of the universe. Yeah. <clears throat> And they can no- suddenly no longer reference anything that isn't Spider-Man. You guys, this is a complete joke. They're going to run Ben Riley. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
because he's not Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Sony owns Ben Riley too. Just saying. Yeah, I'm sure they. I'm sure they. Uh, find a loophole, be like. The Scarlet Spider. The Scarlet Spider. Yeah. <laughs> Considering those those properties were generally worthless, but potentially could come up, I'm sure in those deals that they swooped up anything Spider adjacent. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'd have to look it up to be sure. That, that fight over crazy. Well, you have to guys. point out that uh, it's worth pointing out that uh, in, in into the Spider Verse had uh, Spider Man 2099 in it. Right. Which means. Sony has the rights to Sp- to Spider-Man 2099. Yeah, they that, they must have those adjacent. I'm pretty sure they have yeah. Spider-Man and Rogues Gallery. Yeah, Sp- Spider-Man, Spider-Man, Spider-Man's and universe and his Rogues Gallery. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. You can't have them in a vacuum. You got to have other characters. So yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, that makes sense. Since Marvel put them in a vacuum, why not? <laughs> no, they didn't put him in a vacuum. They sold his marriage to the devil. <laughs> we don't talk about that one either. <laughs> yeah, I pretend that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> one more dollar, I mean one more day. <laughs> yes, really. Uh, um, have we any other further news? I don't think that's about it. Not really. All right. So, spoiler of the week: the deep cut. Caveat emptor. Look it up. <laughs> Now, somewhere, someone's going to find that in a movie. <laughs> you have to spell it correctly first when you do the search. Right. C-A-V-A-E-T-E-M. I can't remember if there's a P in M-Tor or not. I don't know if there is. Huh? Just start with caveat and you'll yeah. figure it out. <laughs> right? Yeah, there is a P. E-M-P-T-O-R. And yeah, if you even if you misspell caveat because your fingers are don't, don't want to hit buttons... You still get it pretty close. And there'll probably be a search suggestion. It's like, did you mean this thing? Yeah. You dumbass that can't spell. Caveat emptor. <laughs> That's how I survive in this world now. <laughs> spell check. Well, did that, you mean that in that in voice co- like control? Like, mm-hmm. I, I had no clue how to spell kowtow. I was like totally misspelling it, so I'm like, fuck it. Is that is kowtow? It, is it K O W T O W? Yeah. This girl spells it with a C. Um, <laughs> it's not. Move. Cow. Going down. down. Cow's friend to me. Yeah. Yeah. So. English is hard. <laughs> it is actually um, from uh, from a linguistic analysis point of view. Uh, there, it is the second hardest language to learn as a second language um, of uh, of modern languages. What's number one? Mandarin Chinese. Yeah, that's what I thought. Look, that's keep in mind, this is learning as a second language. Yeah. Yes, I know. L- learning your first language is pretty much a freebie just yeah. by growing up with, with that slot. By growing up with, with the ability to hear. It's a bonus fee for being a standard human. Right. Yes. <laughs> you get common, you get English as a, as a... English, motherfucker, do you speak it? What? They speak English in what? I'm not quite sure. You'll need to look it up yourself. Uh, you were saying something before oh, no. we talked so, over you. I've heard from linguist friends that, like, if you want to learn Japanese, it is easier to start with Spanish and then learn Japanese. The weird thing... I could buy that. ...is that it also works in the opposite direction. So when native Japanese speakers are trying to learn English, they learn Spanish because it's easier, and then use <coughs> Spanish to learn English. <coughs> Apparently English is a okay third language to learn. <laughs> Weird. Um, I mean, I had a decent grounding in Latin from high school. 
years for going to a to public high school in a Catholic city. <laughs> I took French because Spanish. Had four Spanish. years of Latin in high school because I didn't want to take a real language. I wanted to take Latin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, apparently I'm the only person who massively kickstarts a lot of things in this group. <laughs> and to put this in perspective, let's see here. That is 255, 3, 80, Evidently, Neil has invested more money in Kickstarter than I have made off books. <laughs> That's a lot of calculating. You should invest in books, sir. Six forty-five. I have spent just over seven hundred dollars in uh, Kickstarter and also thirty-eight pounds. Sterling? You did. Yes. I'm not going to try and work out what the pound sterling works out into U.S. works out works out to into in U.S. dollars, but I've done seven hundred dollars and thirty-eight pounds. Sterling. Well, sterling. Well, I mean, yes. you're certainly picking up the slack then in terms of projects to talk about. Interestingly enough, almost all of these have actually come out well for me. So, uh, when when was the what's the earliest one that you backed? The first thing I. Ever? Oh, there were also two games that I tried to kickstart that didn't work. I guess we can talk. I can talk about those. The first thing I ever kickstarted was a print run for the graphic no for the first two graphic novels of a webcomic I read called Spinneret. Weren't we going to save that for a different episode? The failed mm -hmm. ones? No, these are the ones that, that succeeded. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. reading the ones that succeeded. I also got a big purple spider plushie that I can't find at the moment. <laughs> Um, uh, then, uh, there was that one, which we won't, which we won't talk about because it's a, it's a failure, even though it was successful. Um, I kickstarted Battleship Brigade. Enigmatic. Huh? It's enigmatic. So, the <laughs> Kickstarter... <Being> testing. <laughs> the, the Kickstarter met its goal. I have yet to see a thing from it. Okay. Hence why Hence there are a lot of... Mtor. People who are uh, a little, yeah, I mean, scared of Kickstarters. That's, and that's an important, that's an important distinction to make, I guess. There's meeting its goal, and then there's being successful. Yes. Mm -hmm. Generally, they're the same thing. Sometimes they're mm -hmm. not. Right. Then I kickstarted Battle Chef Brigade, um, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which just paid off recently. Uh, the MST3K reboot, the Dresden Files Cooperative Card Game, which is right over there. Um, Red markets, uh, the uh, the post apocalyptic marketing game. The uh, it's, a, it's a tale of economic horror. Post apocalyptic spreadsheets. Mm, there's, not, there's very <laughs> few spreadsheets in it. Okay, well that was a pithy take, so I said it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, zombie post zombie apocalyptic, yes, um, and it's it's about um, how crappy it is to be working class. Um, I don't need a game so for really that. Is, so it really is red markets. <laughs> Bunch of commies. <laughs> um, then we got uh, the Fireball Island reboot. I loved that game as a kid. I'm I so got, glad they I got the life. reboot. It's I need in, to play it's in my chest of drawers over, over in the back. Days. It's great. Over in the kitchen. And uh, Double Six Dice, which I haven't gotten uh, on yet, but I'm not supposed to get until uh, for another month. 
and very recently I backed the Muffin Time uh, random card game by the makers of the Astiff movies. Those were some words, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's some stuff. I'm guessing it involves muffins, but that's about all. Um, so it, it involves a suicidal muffin who wants who wants you to eat him. Um, it's really dark. Astiff movies are surprisingly dark, actually. I mean, on one level, I guess that is the muffin's purpose, right? To be eaten. It but wants to For die. him to be so enthusiastic about it creeps me out. Well, it wants not to want die. to eat it. Right? It's Unless it's an elaborate reverse psychology thing. It, 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 it <laughs> he really doesn't want to be eaten. You should check out Astiff movies sometime. It's funny. It's, it's very non sequitur, and it is surprisingly dark for how light the tone is. Also, considering people uh, that are unhappy with how they look refer to muffin tops, that probably doesn't help his self esteem <laughs> either. Just <laughs> in positive connotations of muffins. Anyhow, yes. I don't say, that, that is everything I, know, I have here. Muffin tops <laughs> muffin, my food. Yeah. yeah, well, muffin tops are can be tempting. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> that, is everything, what you're into. that is everything that I have kickstarted. There are all thing, types. Now I'm thinking one, of that Seinfeld yeah. episode where uh, they just ate the tops of the muffins. <laughs> And they have that big bag of stumps. muffin stumps. Yeah. Well, I, it's amusing to me that they call it a stump when it's most of the muffin. But I guess technically you can depends, still call it a stump. It depends on how it does depend shallow on the, your yeah. tin is. It does depend on the muffin. But in that case, that, let's be honest, it's most of the muffin. I, I think you would have to invest in a very shallow <laughs> tin to, to maximize yeah. your muffin top. <laughs> So yeah, um, yeah, the one thing I speak of things that, that should be crowdfunded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the one thing I kickstarted that hasn't that hasn't panned out, um, that actually got money from me was the Mega Tokyo visual novel, which theoretically he's still working on. It just he, like he there are sporadic updates. Um, the guy was like, yeah, I uh, I bit off way more than I th th than I could comfortably chew for my original time frames. It'll be done when it's done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's a step above the people that just disappear into the night. Mm -hmm. Don't say anything. And he's yes. still uh, he's still also like updating his webcomic <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, and Friday too. Yeah. Um, well, hey, at least he's actually doing his normal thing. Yeah. It's not like a it's not like a George R. R. Martin scenario where he's just like woo running around like going to all these conventions and like <laughs> writing different books and doing all this TV stuff and it's just like yeah anyway it's not like I'm bitter or anything <laughs> but I just I remember a, there's a there's a comedic song uh, by Paul and Storm called Right Like the Wind that was kind of lovingly bitching about it but not really bitching about it it was also kind of a send up of the people bitching about it um, but this was in 2012 it is we're getting close to 2020 he still hasn't finished that sixth book just to give some context. Yeah, um, I used to say that. Well, we're not Jim Butcher fans aren't much better off. But he recently actually tweeted out the end and finished book fourteen or thirteen <laughs> or whatever one it is. I think it's thirteen. Um, yeah, it's thirteen, um, which is good. I just trust the files. I just hope that I Martin didn't. Like ride himself into a corner, and then it turns out to be crappy when he finishes it. So uh, we'll, we'll his see. his hope is that by the time that book comes out, he's gone. Like someone <laughs> else is gonna have to finish it. Someone else is gonna pick it up and be you like, "You mean like Robert what? Jordan and the fucking Wheel of Time?" What am I going to do with this? Right. 
and then and then what that person will do is they'll go, uh, well, let's introduce all new characters and have them just fix everything. Yeah. Although to Deus be fair, Deus ex machina. Robert Jordan actually knew he was dying and like took heavy notes so that he could so that the books could be finished uh, posthumously because and like picked the person to finish his series because he's like, look, my heart is solidifying and I'm going to die in like the next year or two and there is nothing that can be like let me give you the clip yeah so like and there's not and there is nothing that medical science can do to keep me alive to to keep me alive uh permanently like i this is incurable i we can prolong how long i live but that's about it (laughs) okay so peace talks is book 16 16 uh, that's only if you're counting the side, the, the side stories, too. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Stormfront, Full Moon, Grave Peril, Summer Night, Death Masks, Blood Rite, Dead Beat, Proven Guilty, White Knight, Small Favor, Turncoat, Changes, Ghost Story, Cold Days, Skin Game, Peace Talks. Yeah, okay. It seems right. like you're rattling off the keywords in Civil War to activate the Winter Soldier. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Words that will never be said in any conversation, logically. Yeah, I know, right. right. Antiquing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so, that is my Kickstarter um, experience, and it overall, like, has been, with the exception of the one thing, exceedingly positive. Mm-hmm. There have been a few projects that I've backed that didn't make it, two of which I'm very disappointed in. Yeah. Um, I really wanted them to. Um... But that's another episode. Yep. So, my Kickstarter is, well, very disappointing by comparison to that. Um, I've kickstarted one thing, uh, which is Critical Role. It's kind of not, though, because you're batting a thousand. <laughs> I am batting a thousand, yeah. <laughs> well, you don't know. They haven't actually produced anything yet. Well, yeah, yeah. but we just mean in the sense of things that made it. And yeah, made it to its goal. And that's true. <laughs> And it's effing, it's effing. By the way, uh, they just had a, um, they just did a stream with people from Titmouse, which always makes me smile when I say it. Um, <laughs> they they came on, they come on the uh, the animation studio that's doing the yeah, um, which they have at least one person on there that's a massive critter who's seen the entirety of Campaign One, so it's in very good hands in that sense as well. Aside from just their awesome resume of stuff that they've done. If yeah. you look them up, they've done like really good work on a lot of major stuff. I don't really have it like off the top of my head, but I just remember hearing their like you know their resume, if you will, or at least the highlight reel, and it, it all sounded really good. Um, but they they came on and they did a um, they had a, like a poll um, for like the tavern keepers, uh, like a tavern keeper build where like there's going to be this character in one of the early episodes, and they did a joint thing where like people decided like the gender and the age and the alignment and stuff. Um, I actually remember seeing something about that, and, I'm, and I don't really follow Critical Role, but I remember seeing that. But anyway, the point is that they're they're keeping their promises so far, as far as like, hey, we're gonna let you know what's going on. Yeah, I I doubt that they're going to be like Yogg's Cast, um, which is the famous, which which is the big famous uh, Kickstarter. Like, it's it's the biggest, most famous Kickstarter failure. So infamous. Yeah, infamous. Well, not failure because they met their goal. By a staggering degree, they got like one. They they got like over a million dollars, 
and then didn't do the thing they 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 gathered the money to do and didn't give the money back. Yeah, that's not good. They lost a lot. Like technically, they still exist. At least to the best of my knowledge, I don't didn't really like. I didn't ever follow them. But they I don't lost. even know what that is. I heard I've heard the name in passing. Yogg's Cast was a uh, Minecraft uh, thing. Okay, um, I've never played Minecraft. So. Yeah, like they they played Minecraft and told stories and such while playing Minecraft. So they basically got while the getting was good, and then got the fuck out of town, more or less. Hickster, uh, Minecraft had a, had a big resurgence lately, which is kind of interesting. Well, I'm not saying Minecraft isn't popular. I'm saying they saw an opportunity and built a bunch of money out of people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Because, you know, these and, things have a limited then, shelf life yeah. of when they're really popular. And then, you know, lost any good fa- goodwill or faith they had. But what Right. Well, that's the irony there is that, you know, mm-hmm. um, people that they, they try to get that, um, that quick payout or whatever and then they wind up shooting themselves in the foot because mm-hmm. they could have actually had like a steady reliable source of income over an extended period of time if they just didn't screw over the their you know supporters and fans mm-hmm. and whatnot uh i mean just on a on a personal level all the people at least that i know of the main cast and people that work on the show critical all seem to be decent honest genuine people mm-hmm. but even if they weren't hypothetically if some of them weren't yeah, I don't think it would matter because on a practical level they'd be smart enough to not piss in their Cheerios, to yeah. not shit where they yeah. eat. Because they built their entire, like, the whole thing about it is that it's like, it's a friendly table of people that are actually friends that actually were doing this and passionate about this on their own before it was pitched as a show, and they haven't really changed what they do to, right. to be a show. Well, that, and they even said... We, the only way we're going to... We're very... Like, when it first started, they're like, we're very apprehensive about this, and the only way we're going to do it is if we just get to do what we're doing and not have it change. And they said, okay. And they did it, and the rest is history. But that's yeah. the thing is that, you know, they know that that kind of like... Again, this is kind of like the Princess Bride kind of a thing where it's like lightning in a bottle, special chemistry of certain people together. Yeah. They know that that's... Uh, important in the community and everything they built up is what makes it so successful. So they're not going to just you know throw that away because that doesn't well, make that, financial sense either. Right, and every person in Critical Role is a professional in the industry. Yeah, yeah. and and you best believe with as much money as they put together mm-hmm. and as much good faith as they have, yeah. if they were to fuck that up. Mm. They'd probably never work again. Well, they'd be yeah. burning bridges left and right. It's a very small yeah. community. Everybody they, knows each other. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and people would and and like uh, anime fans especially are uh, are fickle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will like they they are die hard. But if you piss them off, they will they will they will eat you alive. Yes. Yeah. So you you take. You you create the the like what fifth most successful Kickstarter of all time and the most successful entertainment Kickstarter right. of all time, right? Um, yeah, and don't deliver. Well, so now you're going to have a few thousand people with pitchforks that will tell that will tell Funimation, I will boycott anything you have with any of these people. Several of the cast got their start on anime shows. Yeah. So no one knows better than them about right. how that. Works. That's why I'm talking about anime. Like yeah, Matt yeah, Mercer is is a. He he's a voice actor like of of a certain amount of fame. Like I knew who Matt Mercer was before I ever heard of Critical Role. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ashley Johnson. Um, in Blind Spot, she was the waitress in Avengers. And when she was growing up, growing pains. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's just she's she's uh, she's kind of shown up in a lot of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, these guys are pros. They you know, and they have. Thing is, this critical role has delivered on everything that it said. Yeah, I I'm not expecting them to. They're care. careful not to overpromise. Well, that in critical role, all the character, all the characters, all the people involved are very transparent. It's not like it's this shadowy company of people that yeah. you know, like most most Kickstarters that that go sideways. Usually, there are very few details about the people involved. Right, and then it's you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and that was another thing too is that like when it first launched, I mean, although I mean, it's not like there's any gap because they like they exceeded their goal within an hour. It was so yeah. ridiculously <laughs> overfunded. Yeah. But like when they first posted the thing that it was very detailed and very just like, hey, here's exactly who we're working with. Here's exactly what we want to do. Here's yeah. exactly how mm-hmm. we're going to do it. And here's our best estimates on time frame and whatever like they they just yeah. they put it all out there and all the best with kickstarters do that too and yeah like, yeah and they're working mm-hmm. with a professional company that as you pointed that out cares about the material and has a strong resume behind yeah, it. yeah very strong record absolutely. which is you know which is why like um if i had the money at the time i would have i, I would have backed the um the um mst3k mm-hmm. kickstarter because they already had something good they were trying to reinvest you had names like Felicia Day mm-hmm. involved with it. She and Joe Pat- Hill Pat- and Patton Oswalt and yeah. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, and you just had um, and you know Joel was the one who was executive producing. Right, right. right. So you <laughs> the guy yeah, who fucking created it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was you know it was there was there was a a mm-hmm. solid record behind it. That and they also were they, they also were like here is exactly like here is how much it costs to make an episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this goal gets this many episodes. Right. However much, and because each episode costs pretty much a specific amount, for each increment of that amount, we exceed our goal, we're going to make another episode. Yeah, they don't have to worry about the, the creep factor because they know how much, about uh, roughly how much it takes for an episode and all that. Right. So yeah. yeah. This is how much we have to pay our writers and our licensing fees and our and, and our sets and everything. I mean, that's a big part anyway. When you're looking at Kickstarter or funding projects in general, that's a big part of it um, is about, as far as like realistically, like how long it's going to take and if it's going to get done and everything is like trying to get that base knowledge of like okay how much does this cost and how long does this take yeah and then scaling up from there and not being crazy about throwing all the spaghetti at the wall with like the stretch yeah. goals and stuff because sometimes that, that's, that's they're a victim of their own success mm-hmm. in that sense right so my friend caleb uh was the one who did red markets um i backed it because i knew the guy who started who, who put it together mm-hmm. and it's a fun system um i actually really like the game even though I can't get anyone to play it with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a, is a very niche, niche yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, it, you have to you have to want to play this kind of because you're 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 it's a post zombie apocalypse and you're a working Joe trying to scrape by and be able to you know like feed your dependents. Fair enough. That's that is an so, actual so like every argument against Animal Crossing is what you get against this game. 
Where it's like, if I wanted to pay my mortgage, I'd just live my life. Well, If I no. wanted to feed my kids, I'd just live my life. Well, no, because they're zombies. You obviously haven't been where I work. <laughs> <laughs> Hell's daycare. <laughs> but yeah, similar thing. Just but yeah, um, but, Ca- but uh, Caleb has uh, said on a few occasions that... Um, he, he also he kickstarted a couple other things that unfortunately I didn't have the money to throw at the time. Like he uh, kickstarted a game called Party Foul, which is a board game uh-huh. about uh, ducks at a house party and trying to get drunk and uh, <laughs> actually sounds really fun. Yeah, and and claim uh, and and accumulate points by being like the coolest duck in in whatever room <laughs> you happen to be in. I would. I legitimately I would, want to play this game now. I would really want to play <laughs> this can, game if there was an alternate rules to get every drink, player drunk. There's got to be a well. drinking game. Uh, yeah. There is in fact a drinking game yeah. sub rule that Caleb came up yes. with. Yes. I. Uh, I, I was not part of that particular beta test, I but I did help to actually beta test the game. By the way, these streams of tabletop RPGs and drinking games cross quite frequently, so if people are interested mm-hmm. in that combination, just Google stuff. Just search uh, for Red Market, like uh, Drunk Red Dungeons Drag- and whatnot. Red Dragon in the drinking game is a lot of fun. Because you have to come up with a, with an, an analogous drink oh, yeah, for every Red drink Dragon that Inn. you can potentially drink in Red Dragon Inn. Nice. Soapy <laughs> dishwater sucks. Oh, um, oh I, there's already there's already a thing for that. Three blind mice. I can't stand that three blind mice uh, beer. And Mother's it, three. I, yeah, I like three blind mice. I, I don't know. It seems like dishwater to me. I don't. Right. I find it gross. Well, yeah. Even my friend, even my friend Kyle. Um, beer is gross. He has a he has a card game uh, zombie. Uh, um, <clears throat> zombie card game. It has a drinking uh, drinking game version of it. Drinking game rules are, are pretty frequent. Uh, my brother Ethan came up with a drinking game rules for Twenty Four, the television oh. series. Oh well, that's I mean that's so easy. I mean, just every time this is like clock? I need a tag team or like evac mm-hmm. or like you know there were the clock few, comes it, up. It was like, very much, so many things. It was very make much a perimeter. It was very much a you will die of alcohol poisoning right. before the end of the fourth episode. My my favorite drinking game like that is the Inuyasha one, where every time they say Inuyasha, or Sit Boy. Or there's a pervy remark, like, you die in 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, also, uh, critical so, critical role drinking mm-hmm. games are, you know, they are a thing. Anytime, who's it, drops your dice, Laura? Or, uh, well, I don't know about dropping the dice, but just the dice being referenced or something. It's mm-hmm. mainly things that, like, catchphrases are things that Mercer says. Because, right. like, he'll, he'll have a lot of things like Mercerisms. Right. And then, you know, it's not like there's anything wrong with that. Obviously, a guy's an amazing DM, but it's just anyone's going to have certain things that they say or yeah. say to fill that air. Uh, so there are things like Toothy Maw and All Right or All Righty and... Um, you can certainly try. Like, <laughs> in the interest of brevity and, uh, yeah, you can certainly try and, uh, like... How do you want to do that? Yeah, how do you want to do this? Any time he face palms, although it's a recent episode you would have gotten alcohol poisoning. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of fun little variants on that stuff. And like, for initiative. Yeah. <laughs> there, any good drinking game ha- it definitely has uh, the, the, the prospect of, of, uh, of alcohol poisoning if you're playing, if you've written the rules right. Or when lawyer Ashley says, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> little things that the, the players do. Right. Anyway. Drinking games are fun. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, um, so mm-hmm. you you said, but about miserable. Right, exactly. I did say that. I am so tired. Is that your second language or your third language? 
if you're counting fourth. It's a dialect of English. Mm. Bad oh, English. That's fair. Roughly Your accent's way too thick, dude. Roughly speaking, fourth. English, Jap- English, Latin, Japanese, whatever the hell I just did. Gibberish. Yeah. As the what is yeah. what is this first name? I know there's an old alchemist who's something gibber, and that's why gibberish is called gibberish is because he would only talk about alchemy and no one knew what the fuck he was talking about. Hmm. Also learned the English the the uh, the <laughs> ang- the anguish language uh, at hmm. one point uh, for a little bit, but. The hell is that? Um, it's. Uh, the anguish language is uh, oh, is is a language uh, that it was created by a, a writer um, that is essentially English, except you, um, except you, substitute every single word in the English, in the language for something that sounds pretty similar to it. Um, this was exemplified in his short story. Little Rat Rotten Hut. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> so what, it's just a big joke? Uh, it's more sort of... Uh, it's more sort of, I'm a, I'm a linguistics nerd and this is a thing I did. So someone being pretentious, got it. Well, not pretension. It was, it was, an, in, it was an interesting thought I've experiment. I've seen a short play like Little that. Rat Rotten Hut is, which by the way is Little Rat Red Riding Hood, if you can't tell. Yeah. Um, okay. It's actually like it. It's in the Smithsonian and other things. It's kind of a big deal. I mean, the yeah. alchemist you were referencing mm-hmm. earlier, actually, Jabir is his first name. Oh, okay. Jabir Ibn Hayyan. Um, so. Fair enough. I was close. To the internet. You know why they're called bar- uh, barbarians? Because they were Berbers. Huh. <laughs> Well, that and um, and they didn't uh, they didn't trim their beards. Just a little the top. <laughs> <laughs> the, the term barbarian is actually uh, once again a, a borrowed from Latin. Well, what does the beard have to do with it? Uh, the beard is the is the barbum. That's um, also where we get the word barber, the one who shaves your beard. Yeah. Barbarian are those who do not shave. Oh, so yeah, it is essentially that. Huh. Right. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, they've got beards. The more you know. Which yeah, is knowing is half the battle. The, the famous barbarian critical role, Grog Strongjaw, was a Goliath who could not grow a beard. <laughs> so that seems a little bit anti, a little counterintuitive there. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. that's when you get into the... To the uh, he was very the, ashamed of it. Calm down. But he got, his, he got his belt yeah. of dwarven kind and got a magical beard, so it worked out. <laughs> the uh, I think it's epistemology of it, I think is the word. Yeah, yeah that's Etymology. Right. Yeah. Epistemology would be the study of letters. <laughs> uh, Epistles. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, it's, at, yeah, it's something similar. There's there, there's a specific word for when you get into the linguistic uh, etymology of things. Uh, yeah. But it's not just lingu- li- linguistic etymology. Uh-huh. Man, we're off topic. Oh, were, we're, we're we talking about Kickstarter or something? Etymology. Yeah, yeah the studies of words. Etymology. Mm-hmm. I, it's just etymology. Okay, never mind. Many, many <laughs> years ago, I don't know if it really counts, but I sure it does. kicked 15 pounds, I guess. Sterling? Over this sterling. is important. <laughs> I kicked 15 sterling over in 2008 or 2009 to get an alpha of Minecraft. 
That actually would definitely count as a. And it, it, and I was, did it help fund the game? I yes. have no idea. The alpha. The well, alpha who did you build, give it to then? The alpha the builds of Notch's Mi- website at the then, time. Then yes, it helped fund. <laughs> the alpha builds of Minecraft. Did he's now like a fucking billionaire. <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe not a billionaire, but he's like really fucking rich. Yeah, I got so, it. I got. I think what it was a twelve pound sterling. Yeah. Two. Like because it, it it slowly went up as he came close to his beta. Release. Yeah, that all anything. Yeah. 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 That counts. <laughs> so, along those lines, this is one that um, that Beck and I both uh, share uh, kind of a passion for. Um, Amanda Palmer was a was a big pioneer of using Kickstarter to fund her albums. Uh, as a matter of fact, she does a uh, she does a TED talk, mm-hmm. uh, the art, the of, art asking. of asking. Yep, about about those adventures. Um, and people slamming her for it, but she's like, no, this is this funds our album, you know. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty dumb to slam someone for that when they're being honest and transparent about it. Yeah. It's like, hey, um, <laughs> if you're interested, if you like what I do, please support this, and here's what I'm planning on doing. Oh yeah. And then she does the thing. Yeah. She does so I don't I, like. Where is the complaint there? <laughs> if you well, want to support were, art, yeah. Send money my way. How dare you spend this on art? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, how do you spend this on on making yourself able? Right. Exactly. I, I think it's weird, right? Because some of the same people that are bitching about that stuff are the kind of people that are like that throw up, that accuse people of being a sellout at the drop of a hat. When the whole reason she's doing it is so, so that she doesn't quote unquote have to sell out. Exactly. She yeah, you know, yeah. She's so doing she's it on her own. Beholden to a label. Yeah. yeah she's exactly. beholden to just directly the people that are yeah. interested in her support. Well, exactly. And I think that is one of the points that she makes. And I think this is what how crowdfunding really plays into geekdom yeah is that and it's it's one of my favorite passages or favorite phrases from her TED talk is that artists are connectors celebrity is about a bunch of people loving you from a distance yeah art is about a bunch of people connecting to you up close this is how you this is how art changes worlds um, and artists have always been, and when you look back at the '60s and the and the you know the, the late '60s, early '70s, and that era, crowdfunding was a thing as well. It just didn't have the internet to support it. Yeah, you could yeah. crowd, you could couch surf, you know, at, with fans and friends. <clears throat> you know, a lot of the, a lot of the artists. I mean, um, the poem Howl. Um, who did that? Um, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, I can't think about. It. I can't. <laughs> my brain is shot. I, it's 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 45 minutes past my typical bedtime. So. Right. Um, Things I do for this for this podcast. Tell poem. Alan Ginsberg. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a Ginsburg. Huh? It sounds like a Ginsburg title. Ginsburg. Oh, yeah, it's... Oh, well, I mean, in Kerouac and all this, you know, they were amongst this small group of people who yeah. who helped them Ow. stay alive. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and that was early crowdfunding. Um, now we get the internet, and just like for a long time, I made my living with the, you know, with... Basically, a small group of very dedicated fans. Yeah, uh, because things like Amazon, Kickstarter, Patreon has basically democratized mm-hmm. 
the the business of you know the business of publishing and yeah. thus allowed guys like me to create our art yeah and do well with it and fund patreon it. is a pa- like like pa- patreon is is huge for artists because i mean that's kind of where where we get mm-hmm. like we get the word patron from thinking about a patron of the arts Right, and here's the other thing. People talk about old, you know, about artists in the old days. Well, back then, Shakespeare and so and so. Oh, bullshit! You know, they were practically owned by the nobility. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 also, people get a yeah. false sense of history in their head where they they look back and they project their own view of something on something that happened decades or even centuries ago, like Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Shakespeare was churning shit out. It was a business. Exactly. He yeah. was there to make. Now, granted, he was also art artistic. He also cared about it, but it was a business, and yeah. he had That's to do what he had to do. Why and some get plays shit are out there. a lot more remembered yeah. than others? Yeah. As yeah. someone who is currently wearing a shirt a shirt with William Shakespeare's face on it, um, I feel it is necessary. To point out that Shakespeare wrote for the King's Men. Yeah. Yeah. He, he wrote literally, for literally had a charter from the King of England, except it wasn't a king at that point because it was Elizabeth. But still, but, like, it, the, the, the charter was from, I want to say. And I think we've. Yeah. James II? I think I'm getting my, my monarchs all out of order, but. I will use my power of research. But still, like... Well, it's the same principle, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Um, also, um, just another thing, Shakespeare, uh, while he was, uh, while he was, you know, did make, have some of the best words, um, he was a populist uh, playwright of the time and was moderately successful. He wasn't even like... Mm-hmm. He was one of the big names of the, of the time, Yeah. but he wasn't like, oh my God, he's the best, like... There are, you know, there's, you know, Edward Devere, there's a bunch of others. Um, also, um, Shakespeare was filthy. Half of, like, if you actually take the time to think about it, there, there's a dick joke in uh, pretty much every scene of any of his comedies. And many of them we don't get anymore because the meanings of the words change. But I think, <laughs> yep. this, I think this gets to where we actually... Um, where what we've kind of hit the 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 meat of this whole thing used to be art was funded only by the rich mm-hmm. and it was then then for the rich because you know you couldn't go around to every peasant in the village and ask them for a few coppers you I mean, know, the groundlings did love shakespeare mm-hmm. but and they, they couldn't have funded the, the globe exactly um and now, with things like Patreon, with things like Kickstarter, uh, Indiegogo, all of these things, um, ordinary people like the four of us in this room—well, okay, socioeconomically, because uh, none of us, <laughs> none of us, I think, really count as ordinary. We, you know, we run do a geek podcast and play games and you know uh, do plays and write and and yes. you know all of our various things. But socioeconomically, we're all. Average, moderately middle class. Yeah, just average Joes um, or Janes, uh, as the <laughs> case. Uh, um, you know, now why we, I advocate for dude as a as a gender neutral pronoun. I, I can take Joe I mean, as J-O. Right. It already is in most contexts, in my humble opinion. But right. that's a discussion so, for but, another day. You know, people, people <laughs> who don't have millions of dollars just go, 
let's go ahead and contribute this to NPR, which thank God for those kind of people, but... <laughs> hey, I, I, I pledge to NPR. <clears throat> and, and thank God for And also like apparently you. spend $700 over the life. Oh, well, keep in mind, that's... Over the, those, that's well, the oldest Kickstarter I, I backed... Mm -hmm. um, he dropped six months. That's the date he's gonna drop. Was six months. Uh, was uh, it was? Let's see. In December of 2012 was the last update. Uh, now that it was delivered, uh, November 2012. So it was. Um, have been early The campaign was launched. When was the campaign launched? Um, it was launched so long ago that I'm not sure if I can find a date for how long ago it was launched. We're looking at like seven to seven to eight years ago. So I'm averaging a, effectively about a hundred dollars a year. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I think that's the thing that crowdfunding does, and I think it's uh, it, it is amazing that we are getting towards the point where, yeah, people can choose their own art. Well, that's a significant development about it, I think, is that instead of um, decades ago, um, people just often, they, they give money to like some organization like the Endowment for the Arts or whatever, and they just kind of hope that things come out that they like. Now yeah. you're directly giving to the creators who are like, hey, this is the thing we are going to yes. do. And the creators... So I think that's yeah. pretty cool. And on the other side of that, and you, you, it's a great, that's a great point, the other side of that is the creators are not going to this grant foundation going, hello, sir, we would like to right. create this party where it's like, hey, you know, hey, dudes and dudettes, we're going to do this their thing that you're going to love. Um, give because, us money so we can do it, please. Yeah, give us give us a few bucks. The, the yeah. important distinction between those interactions are when they're going hat in hand to some grant foundation, or mm -hmm. they're like the 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 people, the gatekeepers, the grant people, or whatever, can make. Yeah, that's that sounds like a great idea, but I've got some notes for you. Or gonna, they, they might want to try yeah. to change it or if, do something. If to we're going to give this much money to you, well, let and, me tell you what you can do. With having this. written for grants, yeah. let me tell you. Um, that part happens before you even apply. apply. It's yeah. like you must meet these criteria. Your project. So basically, must there's be baked in conditions or strings. Oh yeah. Yeah. You, uh, also, it, uh, you could totally find a job. Yeah. <laughs> also, you could totally that you could totally have a job of being a professional grant application mm -hmm. writer. There was a guy who wrote a book about that. Um, you know, about how to get grants and shit like that. But now... Wait, you mean the guy who's in the question mark suit on the infomercials? That's the one. <laughs> that guy. The government's got to give you this money. Yeah. Right, exactly. I'm a wild and crazy author. But, uh, the Riddler's uh, well, seen insane. That guy, too, but, the, but, but seriously, applying for grants is no mean, is no mean feat. Oh, yeah. I had to do it for my, uh, for my, my second wife. Um, she was, uh, you know, she, when she was doing it at uh, social work. Um, when, so yeah, I mean, it's, it is not easy because there's so many things you have to prove. Yeah, and, and again, I think, uh, again, Mike, I think you hit it right on. You're going hat in hand going, please, uh, may I have some quid? Well, yeah, it's <laughs> like, if you want to make, if you want to make like an epic adventure about tap dancing cheese that yodels, like that's a hard thing to try and sell, but if you can get enough people to pitch in their money, hey, I want to see Go a, for it. 
What's the thing about a tap dancing cheese that yodels? <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and and I think I think the and, world is and coming. And without crowdfunding, you would never have known you had the chance to invest in this exactly. little cheese guy. Exactly. Well, and and the more importantly, I mean, it's like the rule thirty four of crowdfunding. Um, <laughs> you know, yes, we reference rule thirty four here a lot. I just want to see where this is going. Uh, if if it exists. There is someone who's interested in it. That's fair. Aren't there corollary rules? Uh, if it doesn't, if it isn't, uh, if it doesn't exist, if it exists and there's not porn of it, wait. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I just meant like rules if, that yeah. don't involve porn, but still make the same point you're trying to make. There are many right. rules of the internet. Um, yeah, but I just it's just if it exists, yes, there the are people who are interested solid. in it. Right. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is reaching is is how. The question is how many and is it feasible? Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, and and then, but by the same token, um, and okay, Neil, I'm glad you moved the soapbox so I can't get up on it. But you know what? <laughs> it's still going to happen. Um, one thing that too many artists don't get is that. If you're going to do this for a living, it is a business. And you, if you are going to make your art get out there, if you want more than just one fan, <laughs> yeah. if you want to do more than change this one, you have to learn this shit. By the way, please like, comment, share, and subscribe. <laughs> Precisely. Uh, and I don't do that enough. Uh, and we, yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I don't say enough either. None of us do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you have to learn these skills. You have to learn how to make a Kickstarter stand out. So that if someone, you know, you have to learn what people are looking for. I have to learn what keywords to use uh, when I do my advertising on Facebook or or uh, or Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it is just. I need to update my Patreon. Yeah, you have to. You know, you have to figure out a way to make your make make your stuff stand out. Make people yeah. hear your voice. And people who, and okay, I get it. Um, I would love it if all I had to do was write. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you would love it if all you had to do was write or or act or or record this fucking or re- podcast. Record fucking podcasts, yes, not just podcasts, but fucking podcasts. <laughs> I'm um, tired. I get I get foul mouthed more when I'm tired. I don't need that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the late night version where it's extra swearing. Yeah, extra swearing, <laughs> yeah. It's the after. It's it's the after, after, night. after, after hours. After hours. Right, right. we recorded it at night <laughs> so we can cuss more. Um, but yeah. but um, these are things that artists are having to learn how to do. And the thing is, is that people complain about it, but I'm going, dude, look at this. I have to master this way of getting paid for what I do, you know, and still yeah. do what I well, do. Well, the alternative is you don't have the opportunity in the first place. Precisely. So people have to keep it in perspective. Exactly. And, and here's the thing. Um, the other side of that coin is people that aren't doing artistic or creative things or whatever, mm-hmm. they still have to do the other stuff that's not involved in their direct work. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody's just doing, like, manual labor or something, mm-hmm. they can't be a total dick to the people they interact with or who they work for, or right. else they'll get fired. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, they have to do the rest of the stuff that comes with the job. You gotta so, play the game. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily a game, it's just, you know, 
basic decency. Played by the rules. Currency. Yeah. But yeah, when you're talking about like marketing yourself or something, sure, there's a game in the sense of, you know, uh, someone who knows how to market or advertise himself or whatever, or, you know, they're going to do a lot better than someone It's who, something of a game. Yeah. Well, Depending on where you work and, and, and your person. you got to follow the rules of the social construct mm-hmm. you're inside of. Um, I mean, I guess you could say in the whole, you know, to reference Shakespeare again, all the world's a stage kind of a thing. Sure. I mean, that's yeah. just the human condition. We're going to act a certain way and present ourselves a certain way to, uh, at the very mm-hmm. least, not ruffle feathers and at the most, get the most out of our profession or whatever mm-hmm. it is or the people that we're interacting mm-hmm. with. Not in a manipulative way necessarily, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's just how it is. Well, that, and, and here's here's another thing that the way I look at it, uh, and this is something I learned, oddly enough, uh, when I started working, um, when I was a massage therapist and I went through uh, Reiki attunement. Because somebody was asking, he's like, well, you're just doing energy work. How can, you know, how can you be paid for that? And I was going, well, it's an exchange of energy. Same thing with art. Money is a unit of energy. It is what I trade my time and effort for uh, in exchange, you know, in exchange for. I go to work. I work eight hours a day. I follow your rules. I play, you know, I, I play by your rules. I do the thing you tell me to do. You give me money for that. Mm-hmm. That is what I get for my energy. So that becomes that unit of energy. I want to make the thing, and I need to put a lot of energy into it. And if you value it, then you're going to give me some of your energy in return for my energy. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't get about art. They think it's easy. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's the whole thing of... Creating value and creating the perception of value. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, people think, and, and people thinking, you know, well, art should just be free for enjoyment. No. No, fuck that. That's, d- okay, well, that's that. because artists live on rainbows and inspiration <laughs> well, and pure air. Yeah. Art, it doesn't matter whether something's art or creative or not. It's labor. Yes. Exactly. You're not, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're not entitled to my labor, mm-hmm. and I'm not entitled to your labor. Now, mm-hmm. some people, you know, that's a whole other political discussion. Some people disagree with that premise. They think that you're entitled <laughs> to other people's labor. But yeah, in my opinion is you're not. Right. Um, <laughs> so I think we're all at least in agreement on, on this context that yeah. you're not entitled to artists' work. Right. They should, mm-hmm. you know, like not be starving on the street. Exactly. <laughs> you exactly. should, If you actually value it, you should show that value by mm-hmm. paying them or purchasing the thing, or at the very yeah. least, showing it That's around true. so that you can give them free advertising. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like sharing it on, on Facebook or tipping us on our on our website <laughs> through through our PayPal or <laughs> right. pledging on our Patreon. But that's well, why I like my favorite. I would spots. really like to maybe be able to at least not lose money running this podcast every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's why, like, um, you see, you see. Uh, artists will post things like um, crafters. Like I want to, I want a blanket. I want you to crochet me a blanket. And they're like, okay, cool, four hundred dollars because you want a queen size blanket handmade. And they're like, that's ridiculous. And they're like, fine, you make, make it. it yourself then. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And, if it's and that easy, right? Then well, go. <laughs> yeah, or people go. I could write a better book. Then do it. You know, um, that's just like the people that also people don't realize how fucking expensive things are. Things well, yeah, mm-hmm. but that, that's the same as like armchair quarterbacks. They're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you dropped that pass. It's like, okay, are you a professional athlete? Let's see you go out there, yeah, like, so you do the same just, thing in the same circumstances. The same concept. You have, okay, we'll put you because there and we'll that have, was we'll have uh, eight 
200 plus pound men trying to attack you. Right. Right. And that's past number, you know, that's past number 95. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, you're going to fuck up one in a hundred times. Right. <laughs> you know. So, um, what's the... You know, well, I'm going to fuck up like 80 out of a hundred times under those circumstances. Yeah. What's, what's, the, uh, what's the saying about uh, baseball and... In a, in a season of baseball, every team's going to win 50 games, every team's going to lose 50 games, and what happens with the other, like, 68 games is, the, is actually what matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that way. I mean, um, you know, but, but by the same token, what Patreon is allowing artists to do, Patreon, Kickstarter, mm-hmm. things like that. And th- again, this is something I'm very passionate about, so I'm glad we actually picked this topic, mm. even though it didn't go where you expected. That's um, fine. Um, how, far, how long have we been talking, by the way? I've oh, lost track. I don't know. How long does a little... Th- lot, what does the little di- uh, dial say? An hour-ish? Uh, yeah, we've been going for about an hour. Okay, so... We've still got about another half hour. Okay, so one thing that crowdfunding lets creatives do that for many years people have told us not to is to value our work mm-hmm. or to value their work or value our work as a creative i you know i value exposure work. yeah you can't you know you gotta watch I'm out for that to, you can die of exposure you can get arrested for exposure <laughs> but you can't pay your rent with it unless of course you know, well. somebody's paying you to expose yourself to them, in which case that's stripping and that's illegal. And that's what you can get arrested well, for. We're getting into different workloads here. It's <laughs> yeah. not illegal necessarily. It's regulated. Very true, very true. But, regulated um, industry, like anything so, else. So, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, is it's teaching artists to value their work uh, because exposure is not enough. Uh, you know, and again, you can't pay the rent with it. You know, and if. Now, if it's Stephen King coming to me, going, "Hey, I want your work in you know in one of my uh, in one of my anthologies," I'm going, "Fuck, let me pay you," <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. you chose me, and there is some value to that. But if it's some schmuck going, "Hey, we're doing you know we're putting together this anthology of you know a thousand word horror stories, and we'll give you exposure," no. Fuck you, pay me. Yeah, fuck you, pay me. Fuck you, pay the artist. To, to quote Harlan Ellison. The man may have had many other flaws, but he had that right. Um, you know, and yeah, it is. It, and I mean that we are getting to the point now where we, where we also find that there are people out there who value creative's work. People like you, Neil. Uh, people like us. Who, who value that work, who know what goes into putting that into it, or just know that it is worth it to us, uh, which is why book piracy sucks, but that's a different episode. Yeah. <laughs> so, I still uh, don't get how you pirate books as effect, like, very, like, I, I get it. I mean, obviously, I get it from a certain, like, I get, about that on yeah, air, but... We could do yeah. it, in a, we can do an episode of it, but, like, I get it in the, in the broad sense, mm-hmm. but I don't, like... Most of the time, book piracy sites are actually fronts for something else. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know, like usually ad farms or virus and things like that. That, that makes a lot more sense. Um, that's still just an odd thing. Like I've never, that's never even occurred to me in my entire life. I'm going to pirate a book. <laughs> I don't know. I just there's something about the about the form about the art form that it just it seems so undignified to pirate. I know. There's just something inherently gross about that to me. Yeah. And when I, you know, when I was a kid, I I downloaded some music, I'm not going to lie. You know, like, (laughs) I'm not, okay, I'm not perfect, but like, (laughs) okay, I don't really think, 
a book. So that never really. Are we getting so, to the obligatory Ben is old thing? Mm-hmm. But okay, waiting so, for it to come I, on the radio so, so you can press record. I, yes. I illegally downloaded some books. I'll admit to it. They were three point five books, and I was a super poor kid. And, and, and those books are so expensive. Right. And there, there are places where you can't get my books off of Amazon, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, you know, and I'm like, you know what? That's fine. I can't, you can't get my books. I have a Patreon. I have a PayPal account. Yeah. Fucking pay me. <laughs> you know, if you love my stuff and, you, you know, you can get my book for free, here's how you can pay me for that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing is that you may not be able to get it from Amazon, but you can still pay me because that's my hard work. You know, I mean, and most people don't understand what goes into, hey, I just sat down and wrote 70 to 100,000 words, um, you know, in eight or nine months, you know, 1,000 to 2,000 words a night. Mm-hmm. I then went back and edited those words, yeah. you know, and then because I'm a self-publisher, you know, I had someone edit it, you know, I also paid for a cover, I formatted it, I uploaded it to Amazon, <laughs> you know, there are expenses and time and effort. Fucking, I don't just poop out a book. Well, I, think, <laughs> I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a thing where their brain is like stuck in a certain mode where it's like if I don't have a tangible thing somehow that was less work mm-hmm. involved for the creator and that is so not true exactly especially because we're living in a digital society I mean this is the information age the internet age whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it uh, mm-hmm. a lot of things are digitized and a lot of things that you don't have tangible things anymore exactly. you have services and you have the things that would be the same they're just in a digital context now like with a book where many times that book is not a physical book it's something that they have on their phone or their tablet or their computer or whatever it's still very much the same thing it's just not a physical manifestation of it and some people just can't wrap their skull around the concept that it's it's the same amount or more work to do something like that than to do the traditional version of it exactly because the traditional version i i don't pay for that stuff but i don't get as much money out of it well i mean one could argue that um you know (laughs) it's less work to do it the traditional way because in the traditional way mm-hmm. you would be like okay I mean depending on the circumstances I'm sure some negotiations and stuff are much more pain in the ass than others mm-hmm. but once you know, let's just say if the say garden and an author already has an arrangement with the publisher or whatever mm-hmm. uh, they do the general you know preliminary stuff they come up with their idea they get they, they test the waters they, they start writing the book they finish the book and they have it published, then and that's it. The real work begins. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we're talking about like a book tour or something, but you know what I'm no, saying. No. Like generally well, speaking, that's it. Well, As opposed no. to the digital thing, where you are doing it yourself, you are doing all those various functions that the publisher or whatever would do for you. Typically. Exactly. So that's my point with that. Yeah, because the thing is, is like you know, with the traditional version. Yeah. Um, getting the book published is almost as much work because. Yeah. Uh, in order to get it published traditionally, first you got to get an agent, right? And that's where the rejection letters pile up because yeah. <laughs> you got to you got to research your agent, you got to submit to them, uh, you got to get you know then you, then you got to get their attention with your query letter and maybe a little bit, and then you you, you go with the full. Yeah, it sounds very situational. In oh, some ways, it could be a lot more work. In some ways, it could be less. It just really depends. But yeah, yeah, that's definitely a lot of back and forth there with exactly. making it happen. And know. then the agent has to sell the book. 
which is another long series of waiting. Right. The negotiation, things like that. There's a whole industry that earns their money through that very thing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that is, it's a lot of a dice roll because you have to submit to agent after agent after agent after agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and truth be told, I mean, I've been very lucky in a lot of my things because I didn't have to jump through those hoops um, because my luck is weird. But uh, <laughs> I have been queried by two agents. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so it, it's it's weird that way. But, yeah, I've tried that. I've tried that path, and it's... Ugh. But, yeah, with, with making a book, yeah, you become the publisher. You know, and, yeah, people going, I can't believe you paid $400 for a cover. But you know what, motherfucker? I paid $400 for a cover, and you saw that cover, and you paid me, and 5,000 other of your friends paid me. <laughs> well, I feel like uh, being in, like, that's that's a healthy thing for authors to mm-hmm. ed- to do, to educate themselves on, because the more they understand the business, mm-hmm. the better they're going to be able to sell their books and stuff. Precisely. It's just and like, it's kind of like how, um, like, you might have, like, a professional athlete who really understands the game, and they become a commentator. And they, like, learn about how TV works or radio works or whatever. Exactly. So it's one of those things where it's, like, you might know a certain aspect of it, but, like, you can always learn more in general about, like, the business or industry and get a better understanding of that. Right. Because the better you understand the industry, the better you become as a part of that. And the other thing about that, when you get back to the art of it, is you learn how to make your art more effective. Right. You learn how to have a bigger impact. You learn how to have a profound impact on more and more lives. So if you want to get back down to the purest of, well, I just want to change lives, I want to change the world, that's fine. But you're not going to do it if you only if only three people buy your book. Right. Especially if all of them are related to you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got to get strangers to see that shit. Um, because Bob Dylan... Um, became famous 20 or 30 people at a time. But those 20 or 30 people talked because he had something that they wanted to hear and word of mouth became his thing. Same thing, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many groups I'm in where people go, I'm looking for an urban fantasy series and suddenly, (laughs) you know, all these people do this advertising for these authors (laughs) because word of mouth, which is what, you know, what I need, I'm trying to find is those people who will do that word of mouth. People I know we're, we're getting a bit low on time, so I wanted to just yeah, got another 15 yeah. minutes. Ask uh, Becca if there's any things you want yeah. to talk about, any examples, Kickstarter things. Yeah, have you have you like backed? Have you crowdfunded anything? I okay, so I other than Minecraft. Other than Minecraft, I I think not, it's fair to say that was a success. By the way, yeah. <laughs> like, good, good have, job. have you heard of it? Like it's, <laughs> a little bit. it's 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 a small little, little game. It's a little, yeah. Um, it, it's, only hipsters it, like it. It's, it's, it's almost entirely underground. You'd probably oh, never heard yeah. of it. Uh, <laughs> good night, folks. Um, but yeah, no. So I have probably spent about sixty hours in the past six months playing a board game that has its uh, origins in Kickstarters. Okay. Uh, it's called Kingdom Death Monster. It is a wonderful game about building a society in a hellscape. And it's great. It hates you. (laughs) It hates you so much. Every card you draw, you're like, oh god, why? But it... It is. It has miniatures that come come with it. It's like the artwork is all original. 
it was just it's a, a very dear friend of mine has put a lot more money than any human should put into a board game um, to support this game so it's real good cool real speaking good. of kickstarted board games that cost more than I, that people probably are willing to pay <laughs> this is a something I'm gonna decide um, if you've got a spare $250 lying around to buy a board game up with <laughs> I highly recommend Giant Killer Robots Heavy Hitters. Um, Just the name alone, I see why it's expensive. <laughs> right, because I'm thinking it has, it has with air quotes, air quotes like, miniatures. Is, yeah. this right. like, exactly. is this like a Euro game, an Ameritrash? Uh, no, it's, it's well... <laughs> I'm not sure if it's a. I don't. I'm not sure uh, where where its provenance is, but I got to play it at Moon City Con a couple weeks ago. Here's a picture I took. Wow. <laughs> Doing annoying. Wow, that's very elaborate. Nice. Um, the the giant killer robots, by the way, are about four inches, like action figure size. So I've got this. Uh, I've got this gargantuan white dragon mini from for Dungeons and Dragons. It's about six it's about the same size as a gargantuan white yeah. dragon mini. Let's see here. Hold on a second. <laughs> so my iPhone, my my Note 10 is for about scale. five yeah. inches, and <laughs> yeah. it's it's taller than that. So it's a six. That's a good six inch miniature. Yeah. Um, and you get four of them, plus twelve smaller. Uh, Smaller things that are about uh, two or so, two or two and a half, two two and a half to three inches tall, plus buildings, because it's a it's it's a game that's set in a in a uh, in a post climate apocalypse, mm -hmm. and uh, the giant killer robots is a it's a it's a it's a television show for the masses. <laughs> uh, but what it also is is a way to demolish the the abandoned uh, buildings, uh, cities. Ah. Fair enough. Um, the the robots fighting each other is is actually just to make it interesting for demolish. the for the people to watch. <laughs> is there a luck element to this game? Um, there it, it it's it's a it's you build you have a deck that is all that is the uh, that is the. You, it, it's not a deck building game. Okay. You there are cards that you can you can build and customize your own deck, that constitutes all of your weapons and armor and shields and and whatnot. Um, also, the cards of your deck are uh, how are how much how much hit points you have left. As you get damaged, you destroy cards yeah. out of your deck. Uh, okay. And okay. aside so like, from it's that, it's like a, an AI deck system. Mm -hmm. Okay. Since we're on the topic of board games, I, did, I thought it does occur to me, although I didn't back them, I have played, now that I think back on it now, a few different games, several, I guess, that have been kickstarted. Mm -hmm. that I didn't, like, forget, I mean, obvious example, Cards Against Humanity, 
uh, and then exploding kittens yeah. and uh, bears versus babies who it's a make same makers yeah, of exploding kittens um, and secret Hitler which is an amazing secret game. Hitler is one of the best games I finally ever. got to <laughs> I finally got to play it after it collecting dust for a while and holy crap it's amazing the thing about it is you have to have at least five players so it just yeah. wasn't in the cards uh, for a while <laughs> that wasn't a pun but okay yes but it was. Um, <laughs> inadvertent I guess but yeah it's like five to ten players so you gotta in I think generally, um, as there's more players, it gets more interesting. Oh yeah, I played. Uh, I played with six players. It was pretty good, but yeah. I, I would like to play a game with like eight people or. That's I, I played a twelve-person game of Secret Hitler. Wow. Uh, at Springfield Game that's... a few years back, it was like the year after Secret Hitler exploded at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, oh, and oh. it was—I I will never forget—it was the first game I played. I was Hitler. And. Um, there was like a 20 minute long discussion about um, I got I got inspected by a guy like they, they had a so when you play with more people once enough fascist policies have, have passed um, whoever was the chancellor gets to like look at your roll card right and see what you are see if you're you know a, li a liberal or a fascist um, and at that many people, Hitler doesn't know who the other fascists are. The fascists get to know who Hitler is, but he doesn't get to know who his allies are. Um, so it's a different. It's a variant then. Well, it was it was it was because that's how many people we had. Oh, See, Hitler secretly. Because in in the normal game, the, the Hitler and all the other fascists look at each other with everyone else. Well, everyone has their eyes closed, and that's how mm -hmm. people know who each other are. Yeah, because it's like it's like one it's like one night ultimate werewolf in that regard. But that was a way for this for the fascist to one tell me by the way, hey, I'm a fascist. Yeah. Also, because um, he came over, he looked at my card, I handed I handed it to him, and he said, "Yeah, he's a liberal," and I was like. Okay, this tells me many things. Yeah. And then there was a 20 minute long argument over whether or not they needed to kill me. Because was he lying or not? Right? <laughs> <laughs> we ended up winning that game. It was great. Yeah, it was a great game. I actually wound up, I was Hitler as well, and I also won. It was weird. We played it twice, and I was Hitler both times. I, I played. I won both times. I played it with I'm my family. Scoot over a little bit. Um. <laughs> I, I, I played it with my family. Uh, so me, my dad, my mom, uh, my sister, uh, her wife, uh, my brother, his wife, um, all of them. We played three rounds. My mom was Hitler every single time. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah. she played the you can't call your mom Hitler card <laughs> on you every time. Did she win every time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because she's mom, you can't. And she was Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, I'm sure there's there are times in every child's life when there are certain it's, moms. It's okay, there. Neil. They're therapists for that. <laughs> <laughs> My mom is Hitler. <laughs> Three times in a row. Uh, and three times those, your mother was Hitler. And none of those times was I a fascist, so it, did, so it didn't help. Hmm. How yeah. I met your mother, that would be interesting. <laughs> yes. a whole well, you see, show. it was oh. Germany and we were real poor. This does remind me, I saw... Kyle, I met your mother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> 
Oh, I got the snort laugh. Yes. And, you know, I think that's a good enough place to end it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't really top that. So. Well, that we're pretty much out of time. Um, right. Uh, next time begins our epic two-part digression on Showa-era Godzilla. All right. Um... We will talk to you again. This has been Neil. The one true Ben. Mike. And Becca. And we will talk to you next time on Geek Fanthology. This podcast is a production of Working Theory Productions. It was brought to you by the letter C and the number 90. Opening theme is Ultra Mega Hyperstorm, and ending theme is March of the Mind, both by Kevin McLeod. If you enjoyed this podcast or know someone who would, please consider sharing it on your social media sending us an email, or leaving us a comment. If you listen on iTunes, please rate us. Also, please check out our Twitter and Facebook pages for links to interesting things. If you really enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting us, either by making a one-time donation on our website, or a reoccurring one at Patreon at patreon.com slash working theory. A final thought. Have you kickstarted anything new recently? <laughs>